0: Welcome to the GateWorld Podcast. This is episode number 40 of the GateWorld Podcast. I'm Darren. I'm David. And this is the show where two nerds talk about the sci-fi channel's long-running franchise, Stargate. We're talking Stargate SG-1 history today. Our main discussion will be about the third season of one of our favorite shows of all time. Plus, we have a preview of our upcoming interview with Stargate Atlantis actor Paul McGillion. But first, there's Stargate news, there's GateWorld site features, and we'll get to some listener mail later in the show. Stargate news. Here
1: are your headlines from GateWorld for April 28, 2009. We
0: have three new SGU episode titles this week, courtesy of consulting producer Joseph Malazzi over at his blog. Uh, he's revealed that episode number 12 in the production order is currently titled Faith. Brad Wright is working on what looks like a two-parter called Darkness and Light. That sounds very interesting to me. Of course, as much as you can gather from these one-word episode titles.
1: Part of me really wishes that I had no clue about these episode titles coming up. We haven't seen anything of the show yet, and already we know what the 15th or 16th episode of the season is going to be called. I don't, I don't need to know that. I don't, I don't really want to know that. Mm. Darren's classic. Mm.
0: Well, there's wow. going to be wow. a lot yes. more of it because the show is premiering in the fall instead of the summer. We're going to know every title and probably some basic plot info for just about every episode of the season before air even premieres.
1: That doesn't irritate you in the slightest.
0: It does irritate me, you know. I think uh, we've talked about spoilers and, and wanting to do a a whole podcast discussion about the concept of spoilers. And... I am approaching Stargate Universe a little bit differently than I did uh, as she went in Atlantis. I'm being more cautious with my exposure to spoilers. Uh, and GateWorld mm-hmm. is is going to deliberately be reporting less of them. So mm-hmm. I don't mind knowing titles, especially because these titles are, are relatively innocuous as one-word titles. But uh, Well, they're not that innocuous. I mean, an episode title is kind of
1: more than ever. These episode titles are... A- i'm sure what the episode's about what's episode 15 or whatever the heck it is well it's gonna be about faith there's gonna be a there's gonna be something dealing with faith you mm. know and um, it's i know it's it's, it's small potatoes it really it's is but so general i don't want to know anything mm. but i guess working with you i just i just don't stand a chance But we'll try to do better with the universe. June 30th is the anticipated release date for Stargate Atlantis Season 5 on DVD. TV shows on DVD.com have uh, recently posted the first glimpse of the cover art and side box art for this series. It's obviously the last season and uh, features Jewel, David, Bob... Joe Rachel and Jason on the front it looks cool I think it is the prettiest set yet my only issue with them is that the five seasons the box sets they're not uniform when you look at them on your shelf on the shelf they're they're so outrageously different from one to the next and I'm really really looking forward to that series box set <laughs> yeah. whatever it may be
0: because it'll all be uniform yeah I like the look of this though it's white is the the main base color and it looks really classy
1: it is very classy looking it is the best looking yet in my opinion
0: frequent stargate atlantis and sg1 guest star christopher Heyerdahl has been cast in the next twilight movie titled the twilight saga new moon christopher Heyerdahl will play marcus an evil vampire and the head of the volturi he plays todd on atlantis he was palin in revisions back in sg1 season seven that was his first role on the, in the franchise He plays uh, Hauling, the Athosian, on Atlantis as well. And he's currently starring alongside Amanda Tapping in Sanctuary as John Druitt. This is a cool guy, and I have next to no interest in Twilight whatsoever, but I'd be willing to Netflix it to watch Chris if the role was big enough.
1: Yeah, I agree. I'm not even going to see the first one, but now that he's in the second one, I I will watch it when it comes to DVD. Season 2 of SG-1 is now posted on Hulu, free with limited commercial interruptions. Episode favorites like Thor's Chariot, Fifth Race, 1969, In the Line of Duty... Uh, We recently did a podcast on this one, too. Which episode was that?
0: 36? If they can catch up with us, then I think that'd be cool. We talk about a season of SG-1, and then you can go watch it on Hulu. And the other cool thing is that they have not taken down season one. So there are now 44 episodes of SG-1 up there for free for U.S. viewers only, unfortunately, uh, due to distribution rights, which differ from country to country. But uh, for those of us in the States, this is very cool. Hopefully they leave them up. As they continue to release a new season about every month. Gatefan seven three three seven here says that they've been cropped to their four by three television yeah, broadcast. that's kind of weird. The show actually aired in four three for the first five seasons, so they are probably just taking those syndication masters to make these instead of the the copies that were used to make the DVDs, which are widescreen. Mm hmm. Hey, it's free you know <laughs> it's, free. it's free you can watch and it when you want there's a lot of great episodes
2: GateWorld features
0: GateWorld's new interview with Amanda Tapping is now available on the website it's video it's shiny and it's Mr. David Reed's 100th interview congratulations thank you we got to visit Amanda uh, at the sanctuary offices where she's currently shooting the second season of her sci-fi channel show which premieres sometime this fall we talked a lot about Sanctuary, about the
1: differences between Seasons 1 and 2, talked a little bit about Continuum, filming in the Arctic. I know I always say this, but it's true this time. It's a good piece. Yep. Uh, Paul McGillian is going to be heading to Gate World in interview form once again, video interview form once again very soon. Uh, no ocean view footage this time, but uh, nice lovely green plant behind him and nice pretty gold curtains. Uh, we talked with him for about like 45 minutes. We talked with him about everything from Star Trek to, uh, no spoilers, to season five. We talked a lot about Atlanta season five and Mm -hmm. the growth of the characters. Would you
0: like to hear a clip? I know I would. I'm
3: really excited to be, you know, be part of that film. You know, uh, initially, you know, I had read for the role of Scotty, which I think a lot of the Stargate fans know. And I think a lot of them were probably the reason I, you know, read for Scotty. So thank you, (laughs) thank you. God bless you, but uh, you know, as uh, the business goes, you know things things change. And I went to a fantastic actor named Simon Pegg, who I'm sure mm-hmm. everyone's very uh, familiar with. And uh, I still had the opportunity to play a, a different role on the, on the show and work with JJ Abrams and be mm-hmm. part of that huge um, dynasty. You know, so that's pretty cool.
1: Pretty excited uh, about it. Are you looking forward to finally being able to talk about it?
3: <laughs> yeah, well, it's a, it's a kind of thing. You know, they keep it really tight. You know, keep a tight rein on it, which is understandable because mm-hmm. I think they want to. You know they want to keep it sort of secret and you got to respect mm-hmm. that and I, I certainly do and I think uh, I think the less spoilers for a big movie like that that get out I think that the better you know yes. I, all I can say you know I do have a scene with Kirk which is kind of cool and mm-hmm. uh, it was great to work on it you know and uh and obviously having the support of all the Stargate fans initially for my audition was fantastic. And, yeah. and James Doohan's son, you know, Chris Doohan, yeah. publicly endorsed me to play Scotty, which was really cool. I've Have never, you met met him? Him. Oh, you never met him? Never, never met him, no. Never oh, met darn. him. But I He's said, a you know, fan of you. I, that's very nice. I said, if I ever see him, I'll buy him a beer. <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> exactly for right. For doing that. But, you know, it's honestly, to be part of a uh, film of that magnitude is, is really cool. You know, I was driving back to Vancouver to do a play actually last Christmas. And my manager called and said, listen... Um, you know, they want to offer you something on the Stargate film. Are you interested? The Star Trek. Phone, yeah. Sorry. sorry yeah. yeah. Stargate, Star Trek. I know. Uh, you know are, are you interested? I said, of course I am.
0: The main discussion. Our main discussion topic this week, dude, I am stoked. When we decided to do, uh, Stargate history, I thought about talking about season three because it is one of my all time favorites. So Stargate SG one season three,
1: season three for me is episodes like nemesis point of view, Jolinar's memories. The devil, you know. Yep. Maternal instinct. I love maternal instinct. I love crystal skull. There's a lot of good shades of gray. Man, what these are
0: pretense. I think this is a very solid, very consistent season.
1: What I, th- I think is interesting, though, is, is a couple of the episodes. Um, the, the episodes that I didn't like. I really didn't like them. I mean, they they almost totally sucked. But the episodes that were really good were really good.
0: Well, before we get into our favorites, we've got some listener mail to talk about. We'll talk about uh, what we liked. And let's kick things off first with our voicemail. It comes from Shirt and Tie in Ireland.
2: Hi, Darren and David. It's Shirt and Tie here again in Ireland. Season 3 proved to be the season where the SG-1 storytelling really took off. We see the team facing real jeopardy in The Devil You Know, a moral and ethical dilemma in both past and present and learning curve, and exploring the value of faith in demons. We also get some nice throwbacks with Scarra in Pretense and some light comedy with Ergo. From the insane ravings of Dr. Jackson in Legacy to the wise, cracking Jack of Dead Man's Switch, just one zat short of actually having a zat. Season 3 showed us that this was a show that was not just run-and-gun or even effects-led, but rather a tapestry of hugely diverse stories held together by a team of four. And what a treat to have that number increased in point of view, which, with the exception of Sam's hair, was an excellent episode. The season ends with the setup for Replicators and Nemesis, and you get the feeling in this episode that the team really have gelled. The characters are confident of who they are and what they do. It's hard to pick just one episode, but at a push, I'd go for foothold. Featuring a very credible threat to the base, it's up to and Carter to save the day, with a lot of help from that lovable rogue, Mayborn. With the excellent Andy Nikita behind the camera, we were treated to a wonderful story of good versus bad. The tight writing of Heather Ash's story and Diehard's style lent an air of immediacy to this great tale, with just enough special effects giving an almost organic feel to the shape shifting. It underlined the team spirit, which is the hallmark of SG One.
0: Thank you, Paul, for your voicemail. Paul's favourite episode is Foothold. What's your favourite episode in season three, David?
1: Pretense. Uh, I loved the conclusion of Skara's arc. Uh, the Tolan, I had never seen the Tolan before this episode. I thought they were really cool and really unexpected. I thought uh, it was just a really nice balance of of enemies and allies and visual effects. And there's a really, really good trial in this, or triad, in this oh. uh, episode. It's, it's well balanced. It's a debate. It's a, it's a philosophical debate on... on on Goa'uld control. Mm -hmm. Uh, With a Goa'uld. Yeah. Well, whether or not, um, you know, the host survives, no, that it was all dabbled with, and a lot of it was really answered in this episode. It's just my favorite episode.
3: My point is that the Goa'uld consider ourselves more intelligent than humans. Our technology is more advanced than yours. Our mere knowledge of the universe is more advanced than yours. You stole that knowledge. You took human knowledge when you took humans as hosts. Just as you took knowledge from other species. The Stargate isn't your technology. You just, you took that. As far as we know, nothing you have came from you. So, clearly the evidence is not that you're more intelligent,
0: just more parasitic. And the Nox. Laya shows up in this one. So, we get her from season one. When I when I saw Enigma in season one, where we met the Tolan, I mean, these, this was the first major... Advanced race that SG 1 had met that was more technologically advanced than Earth. And I have just been waiting to see them come back and, you know, find out if our guys made it back to their the new Tolan homeworld. Yeah, we Home don't World, know what happened to them, right? And, you know, what's the new Tolan homeworld like? And can we get there? And can we get some of their toys? So, how about giving us the plans to build one of those ion cannons? You have been told our policy. That has not changed. This one delivered pretense. I love this episode. I love that 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 storyline continued. Of we found out in Enigma that the Tolan have a strict policy against sharing their advanced technology with other races, particularly with less advanced races. They have a, a prime directive mm-hmm. uh, because one time in their history they shared something with a neighboring planet, and that planet ended up destroying themselves
1: and causing a major major fallout on
0: tolan as well Mm -hmm. so they have every right to be scared especially when we're asking for things like those big ion cannons high chancellor travel of the tolan and her arrogance just stands out to me in this episode as i mean this is who the tolan are and as we'll see as we go through in future seasons of sg1 this this arrogance of we are super duper advanced and nobody can touch us leads to their downfall they
1: absolutely get what's coming
0: to them yeah I love the fact that we go all the way back to the pilot and conclude Skara's arc. Uh, and we did that. That was a bold choice. We did that with Sharae, too, in, in Forever in a Day this season. And I was surprised that both of those major threads that set up the series to begin with in the pilot were resolved in the middle of season three.
1: Did you expect that the show would conclude with those storylines being resolved? That Stargate SG-1 would carry
0: those through the course of the entire show? I don't know that I'd actually thought about it through that much Daniel deals with this major issue of this is why I joined the Stargate program was to find Mm -hmm. my wife and try and save her and now that that Mm -hmm. is off the table I don't know what I'm doing anymore there's no point in me doing this so we had to to come up with a new idea for Daniel to continue to be a part of the program they are child yeah so I I was surprised that, that they resolved both of those and they did them within the span of five episodes
1: I really appreciated and enjoyed the storylines of, uh, of this season. Forever in a Day was another. I mean, it was just so good, and Michael Shanks did a tremendously
0: good job. I have not watched that episode in a long time, probably a couple of years, and the first thing that I thought to myself when it was over was, wow, you know, Michael did a really great job with that episode.
3: If my heart weighs more than a feather, my soul still contains sin. If not, may my soul join the God. By the trial of the great scales, thy heart is light.
1: Thy soul has been found true. I was in tears the first time I watched that at the end of that. I remember I remember being uh, pretty heartbroken that Sharia was gone at the end of that. And I, uh, I didn't remember that until recently, until just now. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: This is kind of hard to decide. I have a very, very close second. But can you guess my favorite episode? Jolinar's Memories. Jolinar's Memories. Yeah, part one of the midseason two-parter, and you got to kind of talk about the the two-parter as a whole. Jolinar's Memories and the Devil, you know, but uh, Jolinar's Memories is a perfect SG one adventure story uh, mm-hmm. that is involves Gould mythology and uh, the Tokra and technology and uh, this bit of of Jolinar the Tokra who's left over in Sam's head. And this is, once again, this is when GateWorld started. I watched Jolinar's memories, I watched Apophis show up at the last minute, this big surprise, he was our big bad, he was dead, and I had to start a website. So there it is.
3: You shall call me Neonak no longer. From this day forth, I will reclaim my real name.
1: Apophis. I thought it was kind of a cheat. That they, they, they had a different voice, uh, a different actor do the voice of Naonak right up until that last scene. Uh, uh, that was but, a bit of a cheat.
0: But uh, it was but worth it.
1: Fine.
0: It was. And Peter Williams, who plays Apophis, agreed to have his credit appear at the end of the episode so that it didn't spoil it by having his, his name come up at the start. I love Martouf, uh, platonically, of course, but I love his character. And he's big in this. Uh, yes, he is. He he does a lot more emotional stuff in the next episode, where where he has his his drug induced mm-hmm. encounter with Jolinar, who was his lover. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's in this, uh, you know, Binar, the the cool, one eyed, nasty <laughs> warden of Natu. The fact that Sokar <laughs> exposed the molten core of a moon in order to simulate the mythology of hell. I mean, that's just great. That guy's such a super badass.
1: Yeah, I couldn't believe it when he was killed at the end of The Devil You Know. I, like, I cannot
0: believe that's happened. Yeah. That's such
1: a cool, interesting bad guy, and they killed him? He could have yeah. rivaled Anubis.
0: It was a great death, but, man, yeah. it would have been nice to have him around for a while. I think that in the first half of the season, Sokar, uh, even picking up from uh, Serpent Song in Season 2, Sokar is an ARC. Sokar's character is an ongoing story arc through the first half of the season. The Devil You Know is really his um, his swan song. Yeah, that was the big payoff where we got to see him. We were speculating. We'd heard his voice in Serpent Song, and we were speculating as to whether or not maybe he still had an Unos as a host. We weren't sure when we finally saw him if he was going to be in an Unos or not. Uh, And then early in Season 3, we get mentions like uh, Eris Bach, the bounty hunter in Deadman Switch, I think, was hunting for Sokar, wasn't he? Well, I mean, he was was working for him, yes. Working for Sokar. Absolutely, yeah. And then Demons, wasn't the Unas who shows up on the medieval Christian planet working for Sokar? Right.
3: The time of sacrifice is at hand. My lord Satan calls for five wretched souls to be claimed as his. Satan.
1: Socar. Another interesting episode that I don't um, think uh, got the credit that it deserved. I mean, it definitely had its weak moments, but I thought it was very interesting as well. Kind of like demons I, I kind of put in the same category as New Ground. Um, both very interesting ideas. Uh, that by the nature of what they were it was a little bit more of a quiet episode mm-hmm. and It was they, they
0: both were what they were and I thought that they were interesting I really do and they were both kind of SG-1 uh, at the mercy of you know they go to a planet and get in trouble and then they're at the mercy of mm-hmm. the people who are, are there mm-hmm. that's right
1: a lot of people don't care for new ground oh that's the planet where we went and met the Republicans yeah I mean come on <laughs> but, uh, I, <laughs> I hadn't I, heard um, that one before optrican fallacy i mean it was a good story Oh yeah they're
0: fundamentalists they weren't republicans they were fundamentalists what was your least favorite episode then seth really
1: Mm -hmm. i thought seth was so boring you know we, we get into his compound you know and what do we get seth is life seth is happiness again seth is life seth is happiness again come on the only things that I liked about that episode were the Jaffa joke, which wasn't all that good, and uh, though I liked it, uh, and uh, the fact that Carter used um, her uh,
0: hand device. Mm. Those were the only two elements of that show that I liked. I liked the basic concept of a gould who's been hiding out on Earth for a few thousand years. We had uh, Hathor, who had been imprisoned in the sarcophagus for thousands of years, Yeah, Uh, uh, tying us all the way back to the mythology of at one point long 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 ago, the Gould actually occupied Earth and lived here. Mm -hmm. That's when they took on the persona of the various gods of of these Earth cultures uh, and their mythologies. It is I who would cross the assignment, Selmac. Nice to see you once again, Captain Carter.
2: Likewise. So let me ask you the same question.
3: Your father has an unresolved issue here on your planet, and frankly, it's beginning to irritate me. Mark. Yes, your father's a proud man. He refuses to seek out your brother and mend their relationship.
2: Yeah, well, Mark isn't exactly rushing into my father's arms either. Even when we thought dad was gonna die, he wouldn't take my call.
3: It hurt your father deeply when his son didn't come to him on his
0: deathbed.
2: Now, why would it hurt? As far as I was concerned, the kid wasn't
0: my son anymore. It didn't hurt a bit. I like having Jacob back. I like, uh, as, as minor as it was, the little tie in with, with his son, Mark. Correct. Uh, and their yeah. strange relationship. Uh, Whom we
1: never saw again. It was just.
0: Yeah, he was referenced. It's a good beat for, for Jacob and the fact that he's left his life on Earth to join mm. the Tokra.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: What was your least favorite episode of uh, season three? My least favorite episode. Uh, this is one of my all time favorite seasons, and it's actually no contest at all. New Ground is my least favorite episode.
2: We should talk. Yes. Let us talk about your friend in the woods. I have no friends. In the
0: woods or otherwise. I like the idea that we have found a planet where the Stargate has basically been lost, uh, like it was on Earth, and we go there and the team gets caught pretty quick we get to see some advanced tech that's kind of interesting there's the ship, the, the shuttlecraft that extends the shield and catches the team but uh, Daniel and Sam and Jack get caught by this local government or the military arm of this government that is at war at, I don't know if it's open hostilities or if it's just a, a, a ideological war with their neighbors about the history of their planet it's this kind of interesting setup and, and conundrum where we're, we are caught and held captive by people and we can't convince them that what they believe is, is false. Yeah, the Bedrosians
1: think that uh, our team are Optrican spies. Yeah. Uh, and they're convinced of that.
0: I think it's an, an, an interesting premise, and I like Teal's uh, B-plot a bit. Uh, he's blinded in, a, in an mm-hmm. encounter and, and has to figure out how to save the rest of the team while he's blind. The Bedrosian kid, uh, the young archaeologist guy who's there, Nyan, uh, helping Tealken, and etc., etc., and the big shootout at the end, and, uh, you know, Rygar, the head of the Rhygar. Bedrosian military, just being a, a total jerk.
1: What if it is a gateway and the Optrakins are right? No,
0: it's a lie.
1: But how can you be sure?
0: I am sure, because we have not spent our lives praying
3: to a god who does not exist. And many of our people have not lost their lives fighting a meaningless war. I won't accept that. I've studied the book of Nefertum word for word, cover to cover. It is the truth.
0: What if it's not?
3: It is
2: the truth. We
0: began here. I like the basic premise, but the way it was executed, I don't know. Maybe it's because I'm a conservative Christian and I felt like these guys were being total blockheads.
1: What did you think about Into the Fire?
0: I love Into the Fire. This one is is fun. It's a romp, if any episode is. is. Uh, I love the Hammond story. Hammond trying to secure resources to send out uh, teams to rescue SG-1 once we find out that they're being held by Hathor. Uh, Mm -hmm. And he can't get it, so he has to go to to Chulak and meet up with Teal'c and and get help Mm -hmm. from them. And and Teal'c can't put together an army of his own, so it's basically... Hammond and Teal and Braytak to the rescue, and that was great.
2: What exactly did he mean by threading the needle? Observe. <laughs>
1: I think this was one of those episodes that really benefited from what was going on in the actors' personal lives. Christopher Judge, at the end of season two, was having a lot of personal issues in his life. He was ready and prepared to leave the show,
0: hmm.
1: and he didn't think that he was going to be coming back, so he asked that they write him an out at the end of season two, where I did not know that. He um, rejoined his people uh, and battled the Gould throughout the galaxy. And he decided by the time the show came back that he was going he – sign, he signed on for a third season.
0: And so they reintroduced him to SG-1. Wow. I didn't know that. That's why he left the team. This episode's got a lot of good stuff in it. Uh, what do you think of Hathor's fate? Eh. It was fine. Liquid nitrogen or whatever it was threw her into it. You know,
1: I – that was one of my issues with it. You know, we saw her get thrown in. It was fine. It was fine. Um, it was fine.
0: <laughs> Another thing that I like about Into the Fire is Jack's story, although I wish that they would have have, have maybe been bold enough to take it farther. He gets implanted with a ghoul symbiote. Yeah. And, you know, that would have been awesome if we would have gotten to seeing a ghoul Jack. Instead, he goes straight into the cryo freezer and Mm -hmm. comes out himself.
2: Jaffa, Kree!
3: Telmakgold! Kritak!
1: You heard me! I said, Cree. Jack? Hey, guys! Fair Game. What a great story that was. The system lords coming to Earth to negotiate with the Asgard. I love, love Fair Game. This was my close second for my favorite episode.
2: The human representative is recognized.
1: Michael Shank's coming back to play Thor, really toning down the voice. Uh,
0: mm-hmm. I, 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 the I voice love those meetings. It's not the actual puppet.
1: I just loved those those meeting scenes and uh, and O'Neill having to swallow, kind of swallow his pride and, and yield to the Gould in their procedural ways. Mm. Uh, you, I loved you. I loved Cronus. I loved him This was the all. first time that we met you, wasn't it? Yes. You did not share this technology with the system, Lord? They are lying. You dare attack Cronus and defile our meeting with the escort. It's not true. You are the one who opposed this treaty. You have long to Cronus territory. <laughs> Near T, we had only heard mentioned and, and a he at that in uh, season one's singularity. Mm-hmm, but right. uh, these three, in terms of screen time, were all brand new, and really our first glimpse to the System Lord Collective.
0: Yeah, it was an expansion of who the Gould are, because we'd we'd mm-hmm. heard Sokar, we'd talked with him once, uh, and otherwise it was pretty much just Apophis and Harrower. Hathor, who was was always kind of a rogue,
1: that was really cool, bringing the system lords to life, and it was only enhanced in later episodes like Summit.
0: Mm -hmm. So not only do we have the Asgard, now the Asgard are are actively mediating for us, they're actively on our side, Mm -hmm. uh, trying to bring Earth into their protected planet's treaty with the Gould which will protect us from any further attack like we, we saw at the end of season one with Apophis' big attack. That's what we're trying to avoid is another one of those. And they're just bluffing them. They do not have the military
1: resources to fight two wars. The Asgard's war with the Replicators is already overtaxing them, and they're just rusing the Gould. Mm-hmm. into thinking that, that they are still
0: more powerful. There's all sorts of cool cloak and dagger stuff going on here. There's an invisible enemy. Cronus and Teal get the crap kicked out of them. Wait! I, right there.
3: Is that a head nod? A nod is usually down then back up. You kind of just went down. Right, oh, wait,
0: Aitri take- likes this one. Aitri says, Season 3 was truly situated in the period of the golden age of Stargate. There were so many good episodes that it is difficult to pick a favorite. Of all these exceptional episodes, I think that the best of Season 3 is Fair Game. Fair Game opened for us the wider Stargate universe for the first time since the beginning of the SGC. The Tari were a true threat to the Gould. It was the beginning of many things, including our relationship with the Asgard and our dealings with the System Lords. Quaid 1
1: says... The episode I didn't like was forever in a day. Not only was it confusing, but when Teal'c entered the small tent to save Daniel, why didn't he just bonk shaw on the head with his staff or shoot her in the shoulder? She really didn't have to die. Yeah, I felt the well, way when I saw it. Thematically, she had to go. Yeah. If you wanted to continue to watch Michael Shanks and have Daniel a part of the story... The alternative is that he would have been probably done.
0: So there you go. Yeah, and what doesn't necessarily come across in this episode is that from the moment that Teal'c walks into the tent and sees what's happening to the moment he pulls the trigger is probably like a quarter of a second.
2: Mm
0: -hmm. Lomit says, Season 3 has some great episodes that really push forward story arcs and go deep into the characters. My favorite episode for Season 3 has to be 100 Days. It really gives O'Neill a depth to his character, shows that he never gives up, and has a hard time forgetting his old lifestyle. It also shows that the team really cares for him. What'd you think of 100 Days? This one's a bit controversial, especially among the shippers. I
1: loved A Hundred Days. I absolutely thoroughly enjoyed that episode. Great meteor shower special effects. I was just taken with with the the special effects sequence. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that O'Neill is trapped on the other side. I cite A Hundred Days frequently in terms of... uh, The downfall of these kinds of episodes, thanks to Starships, really, really enjoyed being being cut off. This is one of the things that that I hope Universe brings about, is more opportunities to do episodes like 100 Days.
0: This is the sort of setup that you can't do with ships, and that's a plot point, is we -hmm. don't have any ships. The Tok'ra don't have any ships that can get there within, what, three months or something like that? I think a year. Oh, a year, yeah.
1: Yeah, which I find hard to believe, but okay. I know shippers have an issue with Lara, you know, I mean
0: jack falls I, for another girl I, it falls for another girl so what well from jack's point of view this was not necessarily i've got to wait a year for a toka scout ship this is i'm probably going to spend the rest of my life here and by the end of the episode he was sorry
1: to go and then that that last beat of of uh, lara putting her uh her hand on her
0: stomach uh, she had gas so you think so she had no, gas no jack baby in there no Jack, baby, in there. This is Richard Energson's actually said that this was a storyline he would like to see revisited is uh, Jack discovering that, yes, Lara did get pregnant and he has a child out there. I like especially the teaser of 100 Days. This is one of my favorite SG-1 teasers, that, that opening scene before the credits I'll make role. a wish. Uh, you know, that little discussion on the hillside with our team and with Lara.
3: A falling star. That's, uh, that's what we call fire rain, where we come from. In our culture, you're supposed to make a wish. On Tulak, we call it Talpak ride. Which means uh, falling star.
1: We didn't see a lot of those quiet moments like on, on another planet where they're, they're stargazing and having a, it was, it was a very, very sentimental moment. I loved Nicholas Ballard in Crystal Skull. The giant aliens will mm. come. That just has a nice ring to it. Nintendo's go through everything. No matter how dense. Nice <laughs> backstory for Daniel. Uh a little bit hard to believe at times. His grandfather didn't take care of him. It explains
0: why. Yeah, I like this one. It's not one of my favorites, it's kinda of middle of the road for me. But there's there's definitely some some really classic stuff in here. Surprise you only
1: gave Maternal Instinct two stars.
0: What a cool introduction.
1: Of I am too. We're looking... Beautiful visual effects, some great discussion with the
0: monk. You know, very, very cool episode. Easily top four. I always forget to say at the beginning of these Stargate History podcasts, go and look. If you are in front of a computer right now while we're talking through the season, go open up the episode guide on Gateworld at gateworld.net slash SG One slash S three. Look at the season three episode guide at a glance. Uh, and I'm surprised, actually, that, that <laughs> Maternal Instinct still has two stars, because a lot of these I've gone back and actually uh, upped them a bit. So this is this is like what I gave it the week after it aired.
1: That's too bad. I would have easily given it four stars. I thought it was so cool. Apophis's army, you get the impression that he has this huge army amassing forces on the planet tons of great visual effects a great B story or A story however you care to look at it about Daniel discovering Ascension and being able to manipulate fire and have telekinesis or so so you think he's the son of my wife
3: but not your son no but my wife is dead now and I promised her I would make sure the boy is safe
2: and you are sure he will be safe with you
3: yes absolutely
2: because it is so clear it takes a longer time to
3: realize it if you immediately know the candlelight is fire then the meal was cooked a long time ago right
1: um i uh i have no idea what you're talking about And then the revelation of the Harsesis at the very end, Mm -hmm. Um, and then Omadasala kicking the crap out of everyone. It is,
0: it is, but it's not quite kind of. It's I think it's esoteric. Uh, Not that that's bad. It's just you know when you're looking for an episode like, I don't know, pretense or foothold or the devil, you know, maternal instinct is kind of was kind of an oddball at the end of the season. I thought.
1: I thought foothold was a really good Mayborn
0: episode. And
1: it was also a great uh, premise. I love Foothold. There's, there's yeah. a lot of cloak and dagger in that episode, a lot of smoke and mirrors. Aliens posing as, as our team. and You really don't know if it's the, the first time that you're watching it. You don't know if it's Jack and Daniel at the coffee shop or not.
2: Mayborn, you are an idiot every day of the week. Why couldn't you have just taken one day off?
0: That's insubordination, Major. And then General Hammond and O'Neill and our guys, are, are the real ones, are hanging in this, this weird alien sinewy holsters uh, in, mm-hmm. in a secret room in the SGC. I like this episode a lot. And this is, this is mm-hmm. the sort of episode, when the series began and we started going out through the Stargate, you kind of figure something like this has got to happen mm-hmm. at some point. Like mm-hmm. the Broca Divide. At some point, we have to bring back a, a pathogen that we, that we didn't know about. At some point, we are going to get compromised, and somebody's going to try an invader through the Stargate.
1: Another one easily in my top four is, uh, or top five at least, is point of view. I love alternate reality episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, Sam's hair is really bad in this episode. <laughs> I didn't think it was bad. Very interesting. The whole Entropic Cascade failure bit going to the other side, seeing Stargate Command and Earth... Is just a disaster. Our, our worst fears are, are are seen. It's the first use of the pain stick, and then the mm-hmm. Asgard come and clean up the
0: mess. So much remarkable stuff in this one, and Tilk killing his alternate self.
2: Kill not Tilk. Kill Shock. Renounce
0: Apophis as a false god and join us in our deliverance of this world, and I will spare you. far. The idea was to zap him. As I said, O'Neill. ours is the only reality of consequence. Uh, This is one when I go back and want to watch classic SG-1, I will inevitably gravitate Mm -hmm. toward point of view. Now, an episode that I am not crazy about, two in a row, let's talk about Dead Man, Switch, and Demons. Uh, Number seven and number eight.
1: It has the vibe of... uh...
0: New ground
1: in terms of the culture on the other side uh, mm-hmm. being set in their ways. You know, mm-hmm. if you it, with the demons, it's the medieval Christian culture. If you do something too outlandish or outrageous, they consider it witchcraft, and they consider you evil, and they will kill you.
0: And we get at their mercy, and they they get their hands on Teal'c and kill him. The the symbiote keeps him alive.
1: I I enjoyed the episode. That is the one that I will not pop in just for the heck of it to kill time. But every once in a while, I will watch that. An episode (laughs) that I will stick in, uh, if I have some time, is Dead Man Switch. I loved the character of Eris Bach. I think it's Mm -hmm. disappointing that that role did not come back. Uh, If you read between the lines, I think you can really figure out why. But uh, I I just enjoyed that character. I enjoyed that
2: episode. Dr. Jackson, if you don't mind treating my wound i'm an archaeologist i know but you're also a doctor of archaeology (sighs) never mind
0: i enjoy the episode i think it's uh, i think it's an amusing romp in the woods it is Uh, it is that it's it's a great episode for some classic sg1 comedy i think this episode's very very funny yes it's also i think the first time that we see a cargo ship isn't it the introduction of the cargo ship. Which is going to play a major factor in the two-parter in Joel Nor's memories. Mm-hmm. I liked Eris Bach's character a lot. I uh, I thought that Sam Jones uh, was hilarious in that role. And I like the concept that there are bounty hunters out there who are from various planets and and are doing the bidding of the Gould or just working for themselves. This expanded the the mythology in a direction that I think was not revisited until... Seasons 9 and 10, when we started seeing other things like, like uh, other bounty hunters, the Lucian and, Alliance, and the Lucian Alliance, and Vala to a degree. Mm-hmm. People who were using the Stargate to go from planet to planet to, to do stuff like this.
1: Well, Eris Bach also had the, the added advantage of not being um, uh, subjugated to, the, to a ghoul by uh, being implanted with a, with a symbiote. Instead, uh-huh. they created a, a, a drug that got his, uh, his people hooked. Uh, the the Gould had to had to have their control somehow, and I thought that was an interesting concept. Linnea. I loved the the, the idea of Linnea in, in Season 2, and then when she came back in, uh, in Season 3, yeah, when she came back in Past and Present, I thought
0: that was very clever. Uh, not my favorite episode, but uh, certainly a good one. I love the actress who played the young Linnea in yes, Past Kara. and Present. Uh, and I wish that we had seen more of her when she came and, and played... Uh, the leader of the Ancients in The Return in season three of Atlantis. But past and present, she's so good. And the self-discovery that she is... I am a monster. She's a monster. She's a mass murderer. She's responsible for what's happened to this planet of people that she now believes to be her home.
2: There are two people inside of me, and one of them is a monster. In
3: time, she will win.
0: You won't hurt me because there's another way kira
2: i'm not her!
0: no you're not but you can be her again you can forget megan leach is the name of the actress and i thought she did a fantastic job another episode in season three that i kind of gravitate back towards when i go back to watch is learning curve i really like learning curve it's a charming little story I have a very special place for, for Learning Curve
1: A bunch of great, talented young actors uh, Very well cast in playing, in
0: playing the roles that they did It was, it was a good story This civilization uh, has developed this amazing technology This is where we get our Naquita reactors And young Marin, played by Brittany Irvin Comes to the SGC and works with Sam And shows her how the reactor works
3: so, Marin, I understand you're a reactor expert. Yes. How old are you?
2: I'm 11. How old are you?
3: So, Marin,
1: I understand you're a reactor expert.
0: Really, this is this is a Jack episode. At the end of the day, I think. I uh, think
1: everybody had their moment, frankly.
0: It is, yeah. And Teal'c's got this great stuff going on with Toman, the little boy on the planet. Daniel is
1: discovering the culture of the Teotihuacan, what became of them. Teotihuacan flourished for centuries as a religious and economic mecca before suffering a great upheaval in
3: 750 AD. Now, I think that your people could be the descendants of that civilization.
1: Do you believe the arrival of the Goa world caused Teotihuacan's downfall?
0: Yes. That exchange with Daniel is... I don't know, it's so cool. This is classic SG-1. This is Daniel's enthusiasm over archaeological discovery. And his just utter exasperation at mm-hmm. what this kid is. Jack is huge at the end of this episode in his relationship with Marin and teaching Marin how to be a child and willing to be court martialed over it.
1: One that we haven't really touched on is Stargate's first dip into a psychological thriller, hmm. Legacy. Legacy was spooky. I enjoyed being spooked in Legacy, oh, yeah. I thought
0: that was very well done. The uh, zombie Linvers reaching out of the event horizon in the closet oh, man and grabbing Daniel scared the crap out of me.
1: Oh, yeah. And then we find out that it's
0: it's Michello. Good old Michello. It was, his, it was his technology. It just makes sense. Looking at this episode list, you really realize that in season three, there's a lot of sequel episodes and a lot of episodes that go back and pick up on stories and characters mm-hmm. from the first two years. Legacy is kind of a sequel to Holiday. It's going back to Michello's legacy. It's literally the legacy of the, Michello left behind when he died. You know, we talked about point of view in the quantum mirror and Linnea. Um, these are picking up on individual episodes and individual characters, which I I thought was great. What did you think of Ergo? Did oh, you think it was geez. well done or did you think it was boring? and lame? Oh, man. Ergo is the Dom DeLuise episode yes. with the, the implants in the team's mind. This was, this was Stargate's first all-out attempt at a humor episode it was just a comedy straight up
3: my software doesn't make me sing row 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 your boat please please don't fight I'm here what's the difference how look
0: I'm not going to make another noise not a peep nothing I'm going to be quiet like a little tiny mouse not a peep watch I got an idea nobody can do that except Dom DeLuise (laughs) nobody can do it better than Dom DeLuise the first time I saw it it was so off the wall that I did not care for it
2: what is this? It's a defibrillator. Ah,
0: interesting. Is it defibrillating now? Does it feel good? Does it hurt?
3: Woo, it hurts. I would think so. Let's try it. No, I don't think so. Why not? It's not going to kill you, is it?
0: <laughs> or is it? Now I love it. I love watching this episode. I was just roaring. I thought it was so good.
1: I, I didn't care that it was a departure. I was. I was... 16
0: enjoying the episode for the first time I didn't care I thought it
1: was great stuff
0: I thought it was goofy and now just I mean it's there's so much in this episode that's hilarious Teal downing a pitcher of hot coffee wait Togar how do we know that Ergo's really alive
2: I'm here I'm here tell him tell him
0: I will as soon as you are
2: quiet
1: alive. rules of engagement that was an episode that I did not see when it first aired Apophis is running out of Jaffa, so he's recruiting humans, and he's kind of doing what Russia did, was uh, make uh, camps where the soldiers were were trained to speak uh, with American accents.
2: Corn and cotton are indigenous to North America. And that information could save your life one day.
0: This is Colonel O'Neill. He is much loved by Apophis.
1: And the brief appearance of Peter Williams in that episode just sold it. Uh-huh. It was a it was a nice solid show. I think the only time that we saw SG one wearing camouflage face paint. Hmm.
0: This is a decent episode. It's not one of my favorites. I like the characters. I like uh, Kyle Rogers. The way that we have to convince him again. Again, we we encounter somebody who is completely antithetical to our way of thinking mm-hmm. about things, and we have to convert them intellectually. And we managed mm-hmm. to do it this way. I thought that the the recording of apophis 's death was a little bit implausible that this is seeing this recording is suddenly going to make everybody have a change of heart
1: there's kind of a shortcut well, you have to remember that they had never seen anything
0: like it except when Apophis was talking to them, so it's kind of magical in that way Chaos Night thirteen says I have to pick both parts joel and i 's memories, and the Devil you Know. take my favorite episodes of season three. It brought quite a shocking revelation at the end of Part 1 with Apophis's return, and it did not disappoint going into Part 2. The means of interrogation and SG-1's means of escape provided some of the best storytelling quality we've come to love. Cash 47 says, My first instinct is nemesis.
1: I love the purple replicators and the threat they pose, and I love the escape via the SGC Stargate. However, in the end, I have a special place in my heart for fair game. My least favorite is probably Learning Curve. Not because it's a bad episode, but because it's a rather bland episode, especially in
0: comparison to many Season 3 classics. I think that's a good point. There's a lot of episodes that, in the whole scheme, because Season 3 is so good, in the whole scheme of 214 hours of the series Uh, I think they really hold up but compared to some of these just fantastic episodes in this season they, they, they look a little bit lower than they maybe truly are so the big season finale the purple replicators nemesis the replicators have arrived Great set design. Oh, I watched Nemesis tonight. I haven't seen it for a while. Oh, you did. And I, I love That set design, set design is
1: freaking awesome. Yeah. I think it's so much better than Season 8's New Order 1 and 2. I, I I just think that that classic Asgard, mm, the Asgard design. The Asgard ship. Yeah. Right. The Bliskener really was informative of, like, you know, the the, the, the style of the Roswell Greys. The corridors are small and tight. cylindrical and it makes a lot of sense there's not a lot of room to move around in some of them in some of these corridors i think it was just really cool there were some
0: great comic
1: beats great visual
0: effects and lots of great character moments in nemesis when teal's tank blows and he has to push off in order to come into the range of the the transporter uh that's no that's great stuff how you doing good did you get your haircut
1: yeah why no reason
3: can I see your scar?
1: No. Richard Dean Anderson has some great moments with Thor. Uh, I don't see it being corny. I buy it. Uh, mm-hmm. Despite the fact that we've been treated to better Asgard since. Heimdall, obviously, the perfect example in season at the end of Season 5. His nemesis is just a great introduction to the Replicators. They are the enemy of the Asgard. This would be the enemy worse than the ghoul you
3: told me about? Under my command... The listener was called into battle
1: against an enemy we have named replicators we were aware of them in fair game they are referenced for the first time so we know that that was mm-hmm. going to get paid off and it was just a good show it had a great ending you know we don't know whether sg1's alive or dead and whether they made
0: it out or not and a replicator mm-hmm. survived on earth which means oh, that they gosh. made business when they beam up the stargate And Daniel says, they're going to use it to escape. I just, you know, my arms go up in the air and cheer because it's such an awesome concept. The introduction to the Replicators, obviously we're going to talk so much more about the Replicators in in future podcasts going through SG-1 history because they're a huge, huge part of this franchise. And they start here just, there are bugs. They are an infestation, and they are a hive mind. And they are Mm -hmm. relentless, and... This is a great introduction. It's really good. This this feels to me like very science fiction. We're on an alien ship. We've got techno bugs running around. Um, we're beaming up stargates and we're talking to Roswell gray puppets. This is Stargate mm-hmm. when it's when it's pure science fiction and when it's taking itself seriously.
1: And it's at its best, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, and and uh. and it's and it's when RDA is taking it seriously too. Um, yeah, I compare an episode like this to New Order Part 2 in Season 8 and uh, Jack shooting the replicators and yelling, who's your daddy? Mm-hmm. I, I hate that line. Um, it feels to me like it's like the premise is, is not being taken seriously anymore. Mm-hmm. But in Nemesis, it absolutely is.
1: When I first saw the replicators, my mind didn't go, oh, Borg, or anything.
0: They were a very, very original
1: idea. I thoroughly enjoy that episode. That is one that I'll watch at a drop of a hat.
0: So, Season 3 Overall, how are you going to rate this one?
1: I will have to give Season 3 a 9 out of 10. It was a great year that I thoroughly enjoyed. Season 3 through 5, if I have time that I have to kill, I will put in one of those episodes. I will instantly go anywhere from Season 3 to 5 in my DVD library uh, to look for an episode just to watch. It's a great season. It's just one of those that I'm looking forward to watching again and again for years to come.
0: You? You? Episode by episode, because there are some that I will not rush to put in again, like uh, New Ground, um, Crystal Skull to a lesser degree, although it's a fine episode. Um, Episode by episode, I would say this is still, this is a 9.5 out of 10. Uh, Wow. if, If there is any in the course of the 10 seasons that we are going to consent to give a 10 out of 10, I think this is my favorite season of SG-1. Now, we'll see once we look at Season 4 and 5 in the, in the coming months. Those are definitely up there with Season 3. But this may be one of my all-time favorite seasons of the show. So, 9.5. The thing is, there are in every season, there are going to be some really stellar four-star episodes. But for me, it's when you look at, at those middle-of-the-road episodes that, that we talked about with Season 2. Which one is a middle-of-the-road? For Season 3, my middle-of-the-road episodes, those that are not four-stars... There are a ton of them that I love: um, Learning Curve, and Pretense, and Foothold, and Shades of Gray, and A Hundred Days. There's just so many of them that are sort of in that big middle middle pack in the episode list that I love.
1: Episode for episode, season four is probably my favorite,
0: but season three is dang good too. Let's talk about that next time, eh? Hey, hey, eh? hey.
2: Listener mail
0: one other little bit of listener mail to get to thanks to everybody for writing in on our season 3 topic Harry H523 writes in and says hey guys just started catching up on the podcasts my question is in regards to last week's news of a gay character on Stargate Universe it's great that they're diversifying in character development I guess my question really is in regards to Atlantis and Joe Malazzi saying that there was a character on Atlantis he always thought was gay Do you guys wish to guess on who that might have been? And do you think that would have pushed SGA in a different creative direction? I have a good guess, but we don't know. I thought it was Evan Lorne. I think it's Major Lorne. Yeah. Thanks to everybody for writing in this week. David, what's coming up next week? May
1: 5th podcast, episode 41. Our topic is, what is ascension? So here's your listener question. Do you believe that the notion of ascension, or something like it, represents a true possibility for human beings, or is it pure science fiction? Write us with your answer, or call us if you'd like to have your voice heard on the podcast directly.
0: The GateWorld podcast hotline phone number is 616-712-1647, and uh, if you live outside the U.S., it's a good idea to get on Skype, and if you plunk a few dollars into Skype, you can call it, something like two cents a minute.
1: And what's coming up for May 12th?
0: May 12th is open line night, and we still have to confirm Tammy. We'd like to get Forums Tammy Ferrar to come on and chill with us. Our third open line night, but our first with her. You, the listener, get to decide what we talk about, so think about some ideas. This is the long, dry stretch between new episodes. Stargate Universe coming in October, probably. Uh, so tell us what you want to hear us talk about.
1: Yeah, a third of our way through the drive spell. I think we're weathering it pretty dang well. So, yes, do tell us what you want uh, us to talk about. Otherwise, we're going to talk about whatever the heck we want. And believe me, it is not a good thing. So uh, just uh, let us know what you want us to talk about.
0: And our May 19th topic is spoilers. Not that we're giving any away. We're talking about the concept of spoilers. People love spoilers. People don't love spoilers. Uh, How does it affect the way that you watch a TV show? I'm not looking forward to it just because it's,
1: uh, it's something that, uh, he and I for a long time, largely differed in opinion about. I mean, gate world has to survive and it's, it's design it has to be designed to keep you coming back. But I think it's, uh, I think it's a really poignant and important topic. And I am continually irritated by spoiler. It's, it's a kind of good and evil kind of, kind of entity, the, the spoiler phenomenon. So, mm. uh, a brief history, I assume. And, uh, Uh, some notable spoilers throughout uh, the history of Stargate and kind of the bruises Mm -hmm. and bumps that they have given us specifically. Uh,
0: Should they be used? Should they not be used? I'm looking forward to that one. Yep, that should be a good show. May 19th. Mark your calendars. Well, that's all we've got for this week. Thanks once again for tuning into the podcast. In this episode, we talked about the third season, fantastic as it was, of Stargate SG-1, and we gave you a preview of GateWorld's upcoming brand-new video interview with Carson Beckett, actor Paul McGillian. And for links to everything that we talked about today, just go over to GateWorld.net and look for the episode number 40 show notes.
1: Give us your feedback, the podcast feedback thread in GateWorld forum or in the news item where this podcast has been posted on GateWorld's homepage. You can also call the hotline
0: again at 616-712-1647. I always feel like I should banter something right in here before this conclusion and i get to it and i have no banter left in me
1: you're bantered out you I'm are all banter-less. bantered out well frack that because we're going to go on to x, caprica.
0: x banter stay tuned at the end of the show we'll talk about caprica this is darren <laughs> this is david and we'll see you back here next week more gate world pockets Beware of spoilers. This is now on DVD in North America. You can pick it up. You can Netflix it. It's uh, the pilot movie for a new TV series, so it's it's an hour and a half long. Uh, and they decided to release it on DVD. It has been greenlit to go to series. It's a prequel to Battlestar Galactica, and it premieres on Sci Fi Channel in 2010. So beware of spoilers in this discussion.
1: What a great idea to put it on DVD first. Thank you, whoever decided that. I think it's been at the top of the Amazon. Uh, a sales list all week uh, and all the more power to them you know that that was a great idea putting it on dvd first
0: it could have been odd to put it on dvd first but having seen it now i think it really holds up as a standalone science fiction film mm-hmm. even if the series had not been greenlit even if it didn't have the cylon connection to battlestar uh this story is set 58 years before the downfall of the twelve colonies, when mm-hmm. the Cylons attack and destroy everything, the story focuses on a couple of families. The Greystones are wealthy tech family. Daniel Greystone is working on on the Cylon project to create these metal warriors for the military, uh, and then the Adams family, who we find out uh, <laughs> are the Adamas, doo doo doo, and little Willie Adama.
1: Little Willie, man, that is so strange to see the old man as a boy. Mm-hmm. I, I, I mean, I was watching it with some friends, and I was like, man, I just can't get my head wrapped around the fact that that is William Adama. Yeah. You know? And I bought it, but man, because he's he's the old man. He's, mm-hmm. he's you know, I mean, we're used to him being kind of like the, the sage of the show, and he's just a kid who's and enjoying stoic, a slurpee.
0: Yeah, very military-minded. Yeah. Uh, and we've heard Adama and and his son Lee talk about uh, Lee's grandfather, Bill's mm-hmm. father, for so many years now. He was a you're an honest man, a, unlike your grandfather. A civil rights lawyer on
1: Caprica, yeah. and dirty. I mean, he's 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 in the the deep elements of it.
0: Mm-hmm. He's, he ends up being tied up with the the mafia elements on Caprica from his home planet Toron. Joseph Adama is played by an actor, I don't know if I can pronounce this right, S.I. Morales, uh, who I had never seen before Jericho. He was a major character, Major Beck. He was literally a major character. (laughs) Uh, in, In the second season, short seven episodes, second season of Jericho, and I thought the first season of Jericho was kind of bland, kind of hit and miss. Season two, I loved, and it was mainly mm. because of Major Beck and Asai Morales. So, when I saw that he was playing Joseph Adama, I was I was all aboard.
1: Yeah, I'd, I've never seen him play a character before, but man, he was such a great selection. I buy him as as being William Adama's uh, father. I really do. I buy him as being as being that character. I just am not sure that. Uh, the show is going to hold my interest being one of the main characters being a lawyer. Now I just, <laughs> I'm, I'm just it's, not sure about
0: it. It's a drama. And, okay, can we think of any traditional classic science fiction series that has been literally in the drama genre? It's, this is a family drama. Other than maybe something like Quantum Leap was very, was very drama-based.
1: One of the things that um, my friend Joe asked me when we finished it was, what did you think? And I said, man same but different that's they they did such a good job of bringing the same but different you know i thought i was hoping that this show was going to be a little bit lighter uh but they have a Mm. terrorist bomb at the very beginning that blows up half of each family it's like Mm
0: -hmm. oh man this show is going to be another walking funeral from from week to week it was dark but it was dark in a very different way from battlestar i thought Battlestar was largely nihilistic, I thought, mm-hmm. and this is this is dark in a different way. This is more tragedy. This is this is you know we've lost our our daughters and and our mothers and our wives and and where do we go from here and can we get them mm-hmm. back in some sense? Uh, the tragedy elements of of it, I I thought, were very powerful. And as a science fiction story, again, even standalone from the Battlestar mythology, I thought as a science fiction story, this was was very moving and very interesting. The episode was largely
1: very moody. A lot of cold blue tones, and of course the diamonds had a lot of bright reds, but uh, I always got the feeling that it was kind of like raining on Caprica, and it was very dark, very moody, very broody, Mm. Uh, and it's just, I think it's an interesting palette, an interesting choice of colors, Uh, not literally, figuratively, for, for this new show. Advances in technology, you know, I loved
0: Surge. I
1: loved Surge. I thought that was that was really cool, really well done. The the house droid. Oh, the
0: little house droid.
1: The whole bit about the, there being a really uh, significant portion of um, the show's cast who I mean, it's, it's very very teenager uh, oriented. I thought that the, the actress who played Zoe Graystone was was well cast, very well selected. I thought she did a good job. I thought she was fantastic. her, her female sidekick, a little bit irritating. Uh, i en- I enjoyed
0: um... she was very sidekickish very interesting stuff with her with with the whole monotheism and there's this yes. this group that's basically regarded as terrorists that are mm-hmm. are monotheistic in in Caprican civilization, which is polytheistic as we know from Battlestar mm-hmm. and we know that the Cylons for some reason in Battlestar are monotheistic, and this goes a long way toward explaining how that came about you have
1: Cylons from the first earth who eventually came to the 12 colonies they were all monotheistic and mm. now you have the birth of the Cylons on Caprica who are very monotheistic as well there's only mm. one Cylon isn't there
0: there's only one and you know uh, yeah. my wife and I after we finished the movie talked about this fact that we'd seen the scene earlier where he's doing this test of the, the Cylon body and the, it's it 's kind of all over the place, and it 's shooting paintballs, and it can 't hit a target worth <laughs> a darn and Then the next time we see it tested at the end after after zoe 's zoe 's uh, artificial consciousness has been downloaded into it and had this catastrophic error and supposedly lost, then suddenly the Cylon body hits everything and is just a perfect warrior and and I really came away from it with the sense that. It's only because Zoe's mind is in there that it's able to work. It's like a, a a human element that you can't program. But now that she's in there, it works like it's supposed to. Oh,
1: absolutely. So it's then the, the question is: Does
0: does Daniel Greystone know that that she's still in there in, in some way?
1: Yeah, I doubt it. Otherwise, um, uh, she wouldn't have been able to. <laughs> I mean, the Centurion calls her her sixteen year old friend. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna need some help. <laughs> mm-hmm. That was a nice ending. Uh, not as nearly as, as uh, inventive and surprising as the revelation that Boomer was a Cylon, but it was good. Yeah,
0: I watched the trailer for this movie, the the little teaser that Sci-Fi Channel put together. Oh, wasn't it uh, awful last year? And I I watched it a few times and thought about it and stewed over it for a few days and I thought, you know what, this looks really really boring. I don't know if I'm gonna have any interest in this. And I'm totally open to the idea of doing a science fiction show that's, that's very you know, drama-based and is, and is a, a family drama and a character uh, series. I'm totally open to it, but the trailer was so boring. After watching this movie, man, I loved it. I loved Caprica, and I am so excited about a series. I think I liked it better than Battlestar, frankly.
1: I did not love Caprica. I thoroughly enjoyed it, but I was not in love with it. Mm-hmm. And all of my friends say, I can't wait until 2010. Like, nah, I'll watch it, but I am not in love with it yet.
0: Yet. It's such a classic science fiction premise. I think it, it feels like a really great episode of The Outer Limits that we now get to see an entire series based on it. So there's Caprica. Pick it up, it's good. It's on DVD now. Don't watch it with your little kids. Definitely read the back of the box <laughs> before yeah. you plug it in.